Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Toba. Toba's mission is to improve the economics, integrity, and pleasure of the sport on behalf of thoroughbred owners and breeders. Lots of projects in the Toba portfolio, including the American Graded Stakes Committee, the Claiming Crowns, the ownership seminars that they put on, as well as breeding confirmation and pedigree clinics. Uh, the Sales Integrity Program as well is an initiative of Toba. Toba has a charitable arm as well, the TCA, Thoroughbred Charities of America, and uh, their media division owns the Blood Horse putting out great content over there. You can check out their website on lots of major industry boards as well. We appreciate support from an organization like Toba. For more information, go to toba.org. And welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for the races of Saturday, August 5th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the little house on the east side again. We have a cool and varied show. We're going to kick off with something a little different, a little bit of experiential stuff from me, just uh, with you talking about what a thrill I had this week. So usually with the Adelphi performances of the week, I confer with uh, with Matt Kater from Adelphi, extremely sharp, follows the game very, very well, and we talk about you know what we want to do for this. But in this case, I'm, I'm going to do something contrarian. I'm picking a, a performance of the week for a horse that didn't win, but ran a winning race, Gem Mint 10. This was an amazing experience yesterday. Really, for me, this is one of the things that makes me really want to sell the experience of joining a group like Adelphi. Dream come true stuff to be in the paddock for my horse racing at Saratoga with Gem Min 10 yesterday and having friends and family be there and the other partners and just all the good vibes. I once before was actually a famous day of racing for Curlin's Woodward as part of my partnership with River D Stables. We had a runner in the race after Curlin's Woodward. So that was just a thrill too, to be there on such a big day with such good vibes. And, and I remember saying something cheeky to, uh, to, to Sean Clancy about how different that was from some of the ownership experiences where we started out, you know, uh, where the paddock was in a, in a field in Radnor, Pennsylvania, how far we've come, Sean. And he said something like, you'd be surprised how easy it is to uh, go right back. <laughs> a lot is, there's a lot to be said for that and the difficulty of horse racing. But for years, I was not involved in the ownership side. And to get back involved with Adelphi and be able to have that experience yesterday, it was just great. And of course, yes, you want to win. It's hard to be close to winning a race at Saratoga and the thrill that would be and not quite getting there. But boy, it didn't disappoint me in the big picture of life at all, just to have one in that belonged. And for that, I'm going to give Gem Mint 10, the Adelphi Racing Performance of the Week, to learn more about Adelphi Racing, go to the website, adelphiracing.com. If you're around at Saratoga, you have questions about ownership, meet up with Matt. Truly great guy who uh, always has fun at the races and just has the right attitude about all of this stuff. And it's just a fantastic group of partners. I've met some really nice people. Got to give the shout out, though, to the Adelphi winner so far, certified lover boy, getting the win in Saratoga earlier in the meet. That was uh, fantastic to see as well. But so no offense, certified lover boy. We're going with Gem Mint 10 for this one. And we're going to be back with the rest of the show right after this. 
We here at In The Money Media are excited to tell you that the Beyond the Backstretch series, helmed by our own can-do podcast host, Bill Duncliffe, is now featured in an exhibit at the National Racing Museum and Hall of Fame, celebrating the hard work done by our backstretch workers and the support from the Backstretch Employee Service Team. That's BEST. BEST Executive Director Paul Ruchame and Bill are going to be speaking about the lives of these important members of our racing community and the work done by BEST to support them at the museum on Saturday morning, August 19th at their weekly Saturday social from 9 to 11. Feel free to stop by, learn more about this, and thank those critical people who make our sport run day in, day out. Make sure to visit the museum, a wonderful place, and enjoy the great work that Bill and Paul have done. Next up on the show, the segment I always look forward to, ever since I got into racing, I've known that the Hamiltonian was a very big deal. And my knowledge of harness racing in the last few years has expanded from that. If for a while, it was that was pretty much all it was. And then in the last few years, it's expanded first with the first over podcast and then the additional standard bread content we have on the network from uh, these two gentlemen. And I use that term loosely that I'm about mm-hmm. to uh, bring in now. They are Mike Krabosi and Ray Cotolo. Gentlemen, how are things? Uh, things are as gentlemanly as can be. I know for me, I know Mike is looking forward to this huge weekend. Can we get can we get a huge from you, Mike? Definitely huge. Yeah. <laughs> I love th- this card. It, it, there's so many big races. Uh, this, this is uh, the time you want to bet standard bread racing uh, th- this Saturday at the Meadowlands. And if you're a flat player looking to cross over, what better opportunity than this cross country wager? Like I think in terms of game selection, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you're not going to have a a massive amount of computer money. They're sort of known already computers for not participating as much in the multi-track bets. I would imagine when you bring in another discipline, such as harness racing, you can, you can even push that idea further. So guys, maybe that's where we should start talking a little bit about, the, the the standard bread side of the cross country bet, uh, Ray, you got it in front of you there. Where do we? What's the balance between Saratoga and Meadowlands, and and where do we begin? Well, it, it's certainly balanced. Uh, even though there are three races at Saratoga and two races at the Meadowlands composing the cross country pick five, uh, what you were touching on about computer money and things like that, and it being a dual breed bet. It starts on a harness race, on a bet that usually, I imagine, has a ton of thoroughbred-centric bettors. So, if anything, starting with the Hambletonian Oaks, if you can get through that first harness, like I have to imagine you stand a pretty good chance to knock out a ton of maybe even some of the sharper money inside of that pool just because we, we don't know how experienced a lot of those bettors are inside of that pool And then you got race eight at Saratoga for the second leg. Uh, The Hambletonian is the third leg of the cross country pick five. And then uh, races nine and 10 at Saratoga wrap that cross country. I have to imagine one of those might be a big race they have up there. (laughs) Little something called the Whitney perhaps involved in that. Something like that. I've always heard that there's other stuff happening on Hambletonian day, but (laughs) I, I have Yet to believe it. I see people betting other tracks at the Meadowlands. I go, how do you, how are you doing this? <laughs> We're going to get numbers from you guys for those two races for sure. But let's talk about the card in general. Mike, what are we looking at in terms of this, this Hamiltonian day card uh, overall? Well, it's a fantastic day. I mean, you have uh, 
a ton of stakes races. Of course, you have the big ones, the Hamiltonian. That's the, the race that every, uh, I think, trainer, uh, horseman, uh, dreamer wants to win. And the Hamiltonian Oaks, very prestigious race. But you have uh, lots of other races. Uh, they have New Jersey Sire Stakes this year. You have uh, you know, the Muscle Hill for three-year-old Colts. You have uh, the Lady Liberty. Uh, that's another race that's uh, for the uh, pacing uh, pacing mares that, that are older. And, and you have your Test of Faiths, your Silver Labels. Lots of – these are your top stars, uh, your top pacers. Sam McKee Memorial, you have a couple divisions of that. Those are, you know, the horses that are that are rattling and going – uh, 146 uh, every week. So just tons of star power. Every race seems like that there's a horse that, that you can latch on to. Uh, just a fantastic card. And let's not forget, too, this is triple crown stuff we're talking. You 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 thoroughbred guys, you thought triple crown's done by August? You guys are <laughs> fools. So on Saturday, trotting triple crown and pacing triple crown have their second legs. The Hamiltonian is the second leg of the trotting triple crown. Last one by... Thank you, saying in unison, Marion Marauder in 2016. And then the Kane Pace, which is race, I believe, 14. Yes, on the card is the second jewel of the pacing Triple Crown. Uh, first leg being the Messenger Pace. That was won by a horse whose name, oh, Captain Bat Boy, that horse. He's not in it. So I guess there's no pacing Triple Crown this year. Uh, but it wraps with uh, the Little Brown Jug, uh, which many thoroughbred betters might also be familiar with next month. Absolutely. Race that we've talked about. Uh, we've talked about with Edison in the past uh, on here, at least in passing, but it's a loaded card and great betting. I mean, it's not just great from a sport point of view, also some betting opportunities. I would assume a dyed in the wool uh, harness player such as yourself, Ray, it seems pretty clear you'd you'd rather be betting this than uh, than any flat track in the country on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. It's a mixture of edge for one, because as someone who follows the sport week in, week out, I'm incredibly familiar with many of the horses that compete on these races on this day, but also Hamiltonian Day being a daytime event. It's almost like it's it's almost uh, got like a bit of a mythos to it. There, there's some kind of legend that goes about that once the lights come off and the sun is beating down it's just chaos there's a lot of things that you cannot necessarily predict in a lot of these races and so that kind of parody provides for great betting opportunities for you to maybe take a chance against a big favorite uh mike mentioned test of faith she was the horse of the year and then uh, on Hamiltonian Day in the Lady Liberty, uh, got trounced by, I believe, a 60 to 1 shot in Kobe's Gigi last year in the Lady Liberty. It's just one of those days where goofy things happen left and right, up and down. Uh, but if you can land on the right thing, you should get paid handsomely. It's also chalked out a lot, too, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think trounced is a, is a strong word. I think what she lose by an inch in that race. Well, we're talking test of faith here. An inch is a mile. (laughs) We're going to have the deep dive elsewhere on the network. Let folks know, you know, we're doing the high-level discussion. We'll get into these two races that are part of the cross-country. But uh, where should folks go who are wanting more, Mike? So tonight at 9, another roundtable. And we've been doing these roundtables live on YouTube uh, usual suspects. We have Garnet Barnsdale. We have uh, Ray Cotolo and I. We have Robert Reed Jr. We have Thomas Fenson. So 
These guys are all have different perspectives. Excellent handicappers, though. We're going to go through all these stakes races, and we do a deep dive into these races. And, and usually we go an hour and a half to two hours and really break down a lot of these uh, multi-leg uh, wagers. We break down every race. Lots of different perspectives. Great opinions. And uh, 9 o'clock tonight on YouTube, definitely want to join that. That's definitely a crew of people that I would want to be consulting about any harness wager I'm making. Let's talk about these two big ones at a high level, starting with the Hamiltonian Oaks that kicks off the cross country. Ray, how are we going to light this candle? Uh, So the Hamiltonian Oaks has been blown wide open almost the same way the Hamiltonian has through the eliminations. Uh, Many of the ones that we were anticipating to crush uh, have not arrived or just have been kind of on a weird path. Special Way was the big filly we were all watching for this year, and then she got a bone infection. So I don't know if you've ever had a bone infection, Pete. You, you can't race on those. So she should be coming back later this year, but that leaves this half a million dollar prize in the hands of pretty much anyone. Hard on Fire was a star two-year-old that kind of uh, had some – Weird goings, couldn't really get back rolling at three, but then had a torrid tempo to chase down in the elimination to pull a 36 to one upset. And Walner Payton won the other elimination. She was the second fiddle to special way week in, week out, all through her two-year-old campaign. They draw the inside posts. They've drawn inside of a speedball in Bond, who for a trotter went fractions that you don't even expect a three-year-old to be able to go let alone an older age trotter in her elimination so for me and and if we're going to talk just handicapping horses that popped out to me uh from those eliminations i i saw three that i would say are must uses one because of potential value and two because this race is so wide open it could really fall into their court Righteous Resolve, the four horse, uh, was really swelling off the trip that she was getting. But like I said, they were going incredibly fast fractions in that race. So even though she didn't have that extra kick in the lane, I'm not going to discredit her for that. She she had interest. Just she was as fatigued as anyone chasing those kind of fractions you would expect to be uh, the nine secret Volo on the counterpoint was gaining ground off chasing fractions like that. And she's always been sharp when she has a target from that outside post, she's going to be able to work a kind of trip where she's going to have to reel herself into the race. Same thing with her stablemate, the 10 heaven Hanover. Uh, she wasn't in the faster of the two eliminations, but uh, she was plugging along. She stayed on the bit through the finish line, just kept going when the mile was over. And just that kind of plugging, especially if the race gets hot, you just like to see horses that can go forward. And I don't know how much action she's going to get from that outside post. Uh, Mike, you remember too last year, Fashion Schooner. It was a different course, but she had post 10, went right down the highway, like six to one. Yeah, different race last year, though. Fashion Schooner was able to dictate that race. And I don't think that race is going to be this, the, the race this year is going to be the same because of all the speed. And, and Bond has shown some, some uh, I think, some vulnerability. She would have been, a, I think, a huge favorite in this race. But then she ends up barely making the final. And, and now the, the pace could blow up again. I, I do expect a quick one. And I think that Instagram model is the horse that I want because – remember Hamo day last year she came up with an, a huge race and i think that this the race shape really suits her in here i love that 26 and 3 probably should have won on july the 15th and then yeah ended up i thought against it in that Warner payton elimination she's going to be fired up late i think that 
you're going to get a price eight to one morning line. She's one that you're, I think, probably could get lost in the betting. Some of these other ones, uh, the Righteous Resolves, the Bonds, the Hearts on Fire, all going to take money. She's probably in that 10 to one range. I want her firing late. I think she has a big chance. Interesting. Four, nine, 10, the numbers I wrote down for Ray. What is the number of Instagram model? She's the seven. Uh, I also like the nine, Secret Bolo. Uh, and uh, I'll try hard on fire also, the two. All right, nice. So seven, nine, two, some numbers to kick off this cross-country wager. Let's get to the big one, the Hamiltonian itself. What are we looking to have happen in here? Mike, we'll keep it with you. Well, like Ray was saying with, with the with the Oaks, the, the Hamiltonian uh, really got turned on its head with all the injuries. Uh, Volume 8 was a big hot horse going in. Air Power was another one that was early favorites for the Hamble. Well, none of those horses are in this race. And the eliminations, I thought, were you know dominated by horses up close. I mean, Burke's horses won both of the eliminations. I'm going to go with his uh, horse that I would say is going to be the his two his second of the two horses, and that's Point of Perfect. This horse was 0 for 15 as a two-year-old, but three wins out of uh, his last four. This horse is very well-bred. Now, Yannick picked off to go to the one celebrity Bambino, but I want this, the, the, the hot horse coming in. I think he's improving uh, very quickly, and he's going to get ignored on the board. It's sort of like the other Baffert. I want the other Burke in here, and, and a wide-open race. Why not have a horse that's improving? I think that uh, should be up close, maybe gets a trip. You're going to get that price that I always want. So I like point of perfect, I think, in a big race. Yeah, that, 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 so I, I was just going to say, this is a wild thing with the Burke horses. So Ron Burke, 2017, won the Hambletonian until he did not win the Hambletonian. Only first place disqualification in the history of the race. That was with a horse named What the Hill that Dave Miller drove. Dave Miller picks up this drive on point of perfect uh, from Yannick Gingra, also a Hall of Fame inductee from last year, uh, who has not won this race. He was second in 2015 after having driven the elimination winner in Pinkman, picked off Pinkman to drive a Burke horse in Mission Brief, a Philly who was second that year, then had the favorite the year after that from post one in Southwind Frank, lost to Marion Marauder, who went on to win the Trotting Triple Crown. So there are storylines going into this race that are just incredible in terms of the history of harness racing and the history that's being set in this current day. Uh, But then also from a betting perspective, they're going to take a ton of play too. I don't see a world where I want to use celebrity Bambino on my ticket. He's the likely favorite in this race. He very well can win this race. I just don't know what kind of value he's going to provide because he does have that sentimental factor to him in terms of like the storybook collision between Burke and Jingra trying to get their first Hamiltonian inside post might be to his benefit. I don't know. Point of perfect's much faster off the gate than him. So I, the, the way this race sets up is so tricky to me that I you honestly could go all here. I think you could. This, this race could fall apart incredibly easily, or at the very least, I just, I just don't see value in taking the favorite alone. Oh, well, I wasn't super thrilled with how he raced his elimination. He was showing his hanging tactics again, uh, but maybe... Uh, this week they do some kind of equipment changes. Maybe the shoes come off again uh, with how the track could be on Saturday. That might better suit a horse like Oh Well. Uh, but then the outside horses too. Uh, again, ghostly Casper and tactical approach. Ghostly Casper uh, 
got a, got impeded around the first turn. He tends to not have a lot of speed, but if they go fast to that half, like 54 seconds or something like that, Ghostly Casper can come swooping over the field. Same thing with a horse like Tactical Approach. He's one of the few horses I've ever seen trot a sub-26 final quarter. So he has the speed to be able to come over the top as well. It's just a matter of how this race sets up. We haven't even talked about what Ox Fenstead does. Mr. I go to the lead Ox Fenstead with a horse in up your Deo. This Hamiltonian, in all of the years that I've watched it, maybe Mike, you can agree, you can attest to this too, is one of the most interesting handicapping puzzles I've ever seen in a harness race and one of the best Hamiltonians to bet in the last, I'd say, 13, 14 years. The strategy that occurs to me as you're talking there is to maybe do some sort of big spread just leaving out um, Celeb uh, Bambino in that spot. But if I held your feet to the fire for a few numbers that must be on your ticket, sort of A-level contenders, Ray, what, where, where would you go? I'm two nine ten. Oh well, ghostly Casper tactical approach. Oh well's kind of the compromise between horses that are going to be close to favored. He's going to be low priced, uh, but I feel like I can justify using him since I do feel ghostly Casper under the right circumstances. He's going to be an okay price, even with the Canadian money going on him. Uh, he can at least provide some value, as will tactical approach. I don't see a world tactical approach isn't under twenty to one. Well, that's appealing. Mike, how about you? You mentioned point of perfect. Will that be, will you get super bold? I mean, from a, from an EV point of view, when you can single in that race where a shrewd analyst like uh, Ray says you can go all, you can pick up a ton of equity, but do you need some other numbers on your, your tickets and what will those numbers be? I do like him a lot. I, I think I would save, though, with horses that I think are going to be huge prices, like the three Osceola, who's always shown talent up in Canada, who shipped down uh, for the first time and sometimes has quirks. Well, he raced well. They're kicked 27 and one. He has an inside draw. This horse would be totally ignored on the board. I don't think so. He would be a blow up uh, similar to last year. We had a 50 to one winner in this race and I would probably use up your day. also, I mean, it's this horse is, has a big kick. Uh, he did win the Yonkers trot. He didn't race that well in the elimination, but I thought he lacked room in the stretch. Uh, he's another one I think could be a price. So point of perfect on top. I'd use Osceola and up your day. For those just uh, taking notes at home, give me recap those numbers for me. So uh, Point of Perfect is the five, Osceola the three, Up Your Deo the six. Excellent. Guys, we're just about out of time. Been a pleasure having you on. We'll do it again soon. But if you each have a quick second for a closing thought ahead of this uh, Hamiltonian day card, would love to give you a a chance to, to put those in there. Ray, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know, if you've never watched a harness race or bet a harness race, as as Mike was talking about the start of this, Hamiltonian Day is a perfect introduction to a degree to the sport because, you know, it's not going to be like the everyday overnights if you just put on Mohawk Park on a Tuesday night. It's going to be much different racing, but uh, if you're wanting to learn the intricacies of harness racing, especially what harness racing is at its best, absolutely try and bet some of the action on Hamiltonian Day. Love it. Mike, how about you? Send us home. Oh, it's a, a huge day. Lots of big races uh, every 12, 15 minutes there. So get in on that. I'll give you a best bet, though. Race number five, the five blonde bombshell. Uh, added Lasix last time and was able to beat Walner Payton. Well, that horse came back to win one of the Oaks eliminations. Uh, she was a nice two-year-old, got shoved into the Breeders' Crown early. Uh, I think that she's starting to come into her own. I like her in the fifth race. It's number five, blonde bombshell. You can check out all kinds of great Harness Standard Red content from uh, this team and from Edison 
on uh, elsewhere on the in the money media network make sure to check that out mike ray appreciate you we appreciate our sponsors also at the hamiltonian society for uh, coming to the party with us this year always a pleasure to work with them we'll be back with more flat racing content right after this let's put in a quick plug for in the money plus Frank Scatoni in his Frankly Speaking column every day out at Del Mar. Been giving out winners and great information. Terrific writer. And then Nick Tamaro with his Nick's Notebook right here at Saratoga. Been killing it with his best bets of the day and just generally providing excellent info you can't find anywhere else. This is what you, the kind of stuff you get if you subscribe to In The Money Plus. We'll also have a special show covering the Del Mar Saturday Pick 6 that'll be up soon. So uh, make sure to check it all out. Best way to get involved in the moneypodcast.com slash plus next up on the show very happy to visit with our man we turn to for all things relating to monmouth park been doing a great job covering us every racing day over at in the moneypodcast.com but always great to be able to chat with him here as well he's eric solomon eric what's going on uh, not much peter good morning how you doing hanging in there it's an exciting weekend here in Saratoga, but I have to say, if I couldn't be here, I wouldn't mind being down there on the Jersey Shore and the races we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. It's supposed to be beautiful there this weekend, too. That's always good. We've got some stakes action to talk about, but we're going to look at the last five races on the card, which brings us back to race number six. A little bit more workmanlike fare with this 5K claimer going two turns. As far as this late pick five goes, how do we want to start this thing off? All right, I'm, I'm going to try and use a little bit of a price in here. I, I mean, I'm assuming it's a price. We don't have a morning line yet, uh, but I, I like off the meds, number four, kind of a deep closer in a race where I see a lot of uh, cheap speed. Uh, one of the one of the angles I really like with these uh, restricted 5K uh, claimers, he's kind of making that low-key drop in class. He's been facing a non-winners of two in six months and now – is eligible to run in non-winners of one in six months. And I, I think there's a pretty stark difference between those races oftentimes, especially here in the Mid-Atlantic. Um, so I, I like that move. I, I see a lot of cheap speed. Horses have been able to come over the top uh, from off the pace at Monmouth. I, I know, you know typically Monmouth kind of has that reputation as the speed favoring track, but uh, it's, it's been pretty fair all year. And, you know, a lot of, there's been some dead rails at times. So uh Horses kind of coming over the top have certainly had every chance uh, in the last uh, few months. So I'm, I'm going to try that one on top. Uh, the, the horse that's probably going to take most of the attention at the windows is the six, Al Cools. I'm going to put that one on the A-line. Uh, Robert Falcone has done a great job with the horses he's brought here at this meet. And his uh, numbers first off the claim are really good. A little bit suspect dropping in from open 10K claimers at Belmont. Uh, and that, that figure is going to be elevated probably because of the slop. This, that horse does run well on an off track. Um, but but fast track form fits. Hasn't run two turns in a while, but but has shown the ability. Won at Churchill earlier in his career at two turns. The horse just makes a lot of sense in a, in a pretty weak field. And then on the B line, I'm going to use Maru, number seven. This horse has run well here. All three of his career wins have come at this track. Kind of went off form for a while, but the last race of Parks kind of signaled that maybe he's getting back to some of his better races. So I will cover with that one in on the B line. So four six on the A line, seven on the B line. We'll move to some grass racing. Sixteen thousand dollar claimers going a mile and a sixteenth, and another a big full field signed on here. Um, 
curious to see who you think is going to uh, get out uh, the winner in this spot. My eye went right away to Kuth with the Paco Lopez up and according to time form anyway, a potential loose leader. What do you think? Uh, th- that's the horse I'm putting on the B line uh, just uh, b- because uh, again, could be pretty easy leader. Just exactly what you said. Um, you know, unproven on the turf, but the pedigree certainly is there. Uh, I'm going to use three horses on the A-line to try and beat that one. I, I do think that one probably is going to take some money. might be a little bit vulnerable at a shorter price. Uh, the eight triple start. I actually talked about this horse last week. It was stuck on the also eligible list in a similar race. It doesn't get a great draw in here at post eight, but was a winner at this condition last time. It's an improving three-year-old. So one of the few horses, if the only horse in here with uh, multiple wins, I know it's never easy to win twice at conditions like this, but but I, I see this horse as a horse that just keeps getting better. Um, was able to kind of stay out of trouble last time and get a clear trip. I think it's going to be very tough here. Uh, Tampa shipper number two, Grasha Prince, uh, making fir- his first start since April. Uh, efforts two and three back at Tampa were pretty good against a tougher uh, optional claiming starter allowance fields there. Has been gelded since the last start, given some time off. And, you know, now comes back in, a, in an easier spot. So I, I think this is a three-year-old that certainly could run a bigger race here. And then Sailor's Return on the rail. The horse is a little bit interesting to me. Claim for uh, $7,500 after a poor effort on dirt last time. I think this horse is better on the turf. Uh, not surprising as a sire of a uh, horse sired by declaration of the war. Of war. Uh, effort in May 28th was really good here. Second, uh, made the front and just couldn't hold off a better horse than Sweeping Giant that day. Uh, came back, had a tough trip, uh, two starts back on the turf, was wide. That was the race of triple start one. Uh, now gets the rail. Jockey Richard Mitch- Mitchell, good long shot rider, definitely kind of an underrated rider on the circuit. Doesn't get a lot of chances, but doesn't make a lot of big mistakes. And, and I think getting this one on the rail is, is important uh, moving into Pompeo Gomez's barn. He's got good numbers with turf horses as well. So I'm going to use the one, two, eight on the A line. And then I'm going to cover with Kuth on the B line. Just, uh, just because that horse could be that, that loose leader in this race. Some good cases there. And I think those are some great notes, uh, particularly on sailors return and that institutional knowledge about the uh, connections. Always appreciate that. That was a great note earlier. I meant to highlight too, about sort of the, the subtle differences in conditions that sometimes I feel like don't get like fully picked up by something a tool I use all the time and love the time form race rating. You know, when you're following every day and you're, you're doing the work that, that somebody like Eric does, you get a chance to, to really get some additional insight. And that's just another reason you should be reading them every day over at in the money podcast.com. Let's go. And to- let me just, just add to that real quick. Please. Just because a, a lot of times when you're reading through like racing form, different Equibase PPs with, with that condition that, you know, that beaten claiming symbol there, it doesn't really, you know, you see a lot of like, you know, $5,000 claimers with that beaten thing, but there's several different variations of that condition. So, so that, that's one of those things that, you know, going back into the charts, kind of making notes on that, that really can be beneficial for, you know, at tracks like this, you know, that run conditions like that all the time. It's a great point. The Jersey Shore Stakes is up next for the three-year-old sprinting. We're going six furlongs here. Um, had to, uh, had to take a look, of course, and 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 see how uh, Looms boldly would have fit if he'd chosen to come down here. I, I think it probably makes sense that we're we're staying in the barn numbers. Why has I got some fast horses in here? Not that he would have been uh, woefully out of it or anything, but very curious to see wh- where you go in here. Race there is uh, apparently an abundance of speed. 
The Jersey Shore Stakes, this is where my uh, best bet of the day is today. I, I really like the seven-horse swerving coming out of the carryback at Gulfstream in this race. Uh, it was an interesting race last time out uh, at Gulfstream. This horse is a very sharp gate, gate horse. Has kind of made the lead at first call all three starts and did the same in the carryback. It had a contested lead when they went pretty fast in that seven furlong race. Uh, Super Chow, who breaks to the inside of Swervin in this race, kind of made an early move up on the outside that day, took command, and, and Swervin kind of fell back and sharply looked like this horse was done. In, in the past performances, has four lengths, but but when you go back to this, this horse was kind of off the screen at one point, probably closer to 10 lengths behind. Uh, Edwin Gonzalez was able to kind of get this horse to re-break and re-rally and kind of came and rallied down the outside of the course, came within a length and a quarter of the winning winner that day finishing fourth um but but to me that sh- kind of showed that he can run from off the pace and i think that that's the kind of trip that that's going to win this race that there's just a ton of speed uh up and down in this race and if trevor mccarthy's able to get this one to just just relax a little bit off that lead i, I think he can kind of come make that bold run come down the stretch and pass them all a, a very talented horse also like betting horses sired by gervin at monmouth um 14 horses so far sired by the 2017 Haskell winner have run here. Four of them have won. 10 of those 14 finished on the board. So it could, could just be that kind of horse for course angle here. I there. Um, I, I like the cutback. I like, it has a lot of things going for him. Trevor McCarthy coming in to ride this horse today. Uh, I, best bet of the day. I think you're going to get a price too with the Brad Cox court horse in here, Squire Creek, who certainly makes sense. That's the horse I'm going to back up with on, on you know, some of my savers. Um, like that horse a lot has been beaten by some really nice horses, uh, Rivet, Drew's gold and in, in that form line that finished ahead of him last two. Um, just haven't really seen that progression from those four races though. All four buyer figures right in that high eighties, which, you know, certainly could be enough to win this race, but I I'd like to see this horse take a step forward and just hasn't done so yet. Uh, and at, at a short price, I'm, I'm going to be looking elsewhere here. So seven, is that seven and two, but making seven, the Monmouth Park bet of the day. McCarthy landed one for you last week. You're looking for him to uh, to go back-to-back back for you here, it sounds like. That, that's the hope. <laughs> I like the sound of it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next race in the sequence, which is back on the turf, $12,000 claimers, fillies and mares, going a mile, big full field. I, I think it's going to be very hard to beat the one-horse Pugilist in this field. This, this horse has been uh, dominant when running at this condition, this open 12-5 condition in, in the past. I, I, my, my hope is probably should be pretty close to even money with this field. My hope is that we'll actually get a little bit of a better price. Last time was third at this level, but was facing the boys that day, which which is important because I, I think that that race was, it was on the Haskell undercard. 14 horses in that race. And, and that was a significantly better field than what she's up against today. So, so this, this is um, e- even though it looks like she's pretty much staying at the same level, this is massive class relief for this horse. Uh, she just missed, uh, just got nosed out on the wire at this level uh, in, in May, but w- was a two-time winner here at this condition last year. Uh, and also at the Meadowlands. I, I just think she's better than this field. Uh, I'm going to, she's my lone a in this race. The horse uh, who stuck, the first horse on the also eligible list, number 13, current situation would be where I would back up if she is able to draw into this race. I, I do think she's a horse that could offer some value. She is coming off, a, she was claimed for $10,000, uh, two starts back, ran a dull race on the turf at Parks, 
does have better races in her form though, getting back on the turf, tried starter allowance company in a race that was taken off the turf, didn't run well there. Uh, is, is a horse that, that's probably going to need to go to the front from her outside position if she does get into the race, but there's not a ton of speed here. So, so I think she could uh, get away with some pretty soft fractions uh, if she could make the front. And then I'll also back up with the two speed salsa, who's getting some significant class relief coming out of a uh, open allowance company. Um, she's kind of horse, not, not sure if she wants to be a sprinter, if she wants to go two turns, but, but she always shows up. So, so, so I feel that she's a pretty safe horse to put in there as well. So one on the A line and then two and 13 on the B line. Eric looking for pugilist to land the knockout blow. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Let's talk about the nightcap maiden claiming forties going six on the dirt. When it comes to all these late picks at Monmouth, how are we going to get paid? Oh, this is a, this is a tricky race because you've, you've got kind of the professional maidens that are in here and then you've got some first time starters. And I, I like when you have trainers that, that can win with first time starters and maiden claiming level. Um, and, and that's where, um, to, to me, it just shows that, that they have a pretty good knowledge of where their horse belongs and where, where they're running. Um, so when you look at the DRF stats there, polish up, uh, Jorge Duarte, two, uh, two for his last four with, uh, maiden claimers. And then, uh, on the seven horse, it's birdie birdie, another Trevor McCarthy horse with Kelly Breen, uh, two for nine with debuting maiden claimers. So when I go into race, race lens to do a little bit of a deeper dive there, all of the maiden claiming winners for Jorge Duarte are with two-year-olds, um, and has not won in the last five years with a horse that's three or older debuting in maiden claiming company. Whereas Kelly Breen has uh, all of his maiden claiming wins in the last five years have been with horses that are over three or older, and none of them are with the two-year-olds. So with this race at three and up, I'm going to use It's Birdie Birdie on top. Works are decent. Uh, again, there's just not a ton that's jumping off the page here. So I, I'm thinking that, that this, this horse has a decent shot. Uh, Uncle Mo Colt and probably well spotted for a debut. So I'll use that one on the A-line with uh, Al's Frosted. Uh, third third career start, paired the buyers in the debut. Could be moving forward at this level again for Charlie Baker. And then Duke of Gloucester, the third horse I'm going to put on the A-line there. Uh, de- definitely fits on figures. First time in for a tag. After uh, 12 times running in either Maiden Special Weight or Stakes Company. So the, the dirt form certainly fits at this level. I wrote something down wrong. I have it 1-7 as A's, 2-3 as B's, but what did I get wrong? Uh, so, uh, just 2-3-7 just as A's. I'm not going to use the one polish up as... as okay, uh, I'm go, okay. You know, got it, got it, got it. Hoping that maybe some of those stats in the, in the form, maybe put, bring some money down on that one and gotcha. you know, maybe get a little bit of better price on the seven. Great stuff. Well, hoping to get a chance to see you up here this weekend. If that uh, happens, let me know. And in any case, we'll be talking soon, Eric. Always appreciate your insights. Sounds good. I I will uh, let you know. Good stuff. Talk soon. Next up on the show, we bring in our man to talk all things Woodbine. He is actually here in Saratoga Springs. I'm psyched to be heading up to Woodbine in just a couple of weeks for the King's Plate. We've been having some great coverage on the written side of things from our man Jackson over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Check that out. He's been uh, doing a little King's Plate previewing as well, where appropriate, getting pumped for that one. But on this segment of the show, Drew Coatney and I are going to look at the last four races on Saturday. Drew, how are things? Were you tempted to pop by Toronto on your way uh, from the Midwest to Saratoga? I was. I think the train, you had an option. The first car, you'd go up to Toronto. The last car, you'd go to Saratoga. So it was it was very much a I could go left, I could go right situation. But 
We are live from Broadway. We have a brunch under our belt. Uh, the MIG gave us a great backstretch tour with the crew. So uh, Awesome. So you made it. I, I, I thought your participation was in doubt for that, but you made it to the backstretch. Oh, it was. It was. I was tired at the 16th pole last night, but we, we bounced <laughs> back. That's impressive. I, I, uh, I slept in. If you remember, we were originally supposed to record this hours ago. Apologies to the listeners. This show was supposed to be one of the earlier ones that ever comes out because Drew and I are lazy, essentially. It becomes one of the, the latest ones. But at least he got to have some Saratoga fun. And where did you end up for brunch? Yeah, and we were able to eat at the Merck this morning for brunch and had a good little BLT with some egg and sourdough and aioli. So things are good. Vibes are high here. Love to hear it. You're making me hungry, um, but that's my own fault. I got to take care of that. Crazy day of work today. Let's dive right in to these races, my friend, starting with race number eight on Saturday, where we have a turf allowance for Phillies going six furlongs in a race that appears to have a lively pace signed on. How do you want to kick this thing off? Yeah, I'm going to go with the number nine, Stormy Silence at three to one. Speed, it's the second off, has ability to stalk, as you mentioned, or just simply go to the lead and I think there's the most upside left with this. So three to one with the number nine stormy silence. And then a little interesting one of the number four born to boogie at 20 to one. I think this one is a little interesting on debut, close into fraction. They're a nice big figure. And then comes out and just gets smashed in a great, great three with queen Picasso and a few others. So today drops into the right class. And I think it's the biggest question mark on the board with 20 to one. I'm willing to use on a bit of an upside. Plus the old T-Rex hunch play there with the born to boogie. You can't really, go wrong when reaching for one at that kind of a price. I definitely get the case on Stormy Silence I had in the mix. I was also interested maybe in my sunny Valentine getting the right kind of trip in this spot. Can you see that one at all? Yeah, I think I think you can go a ton of directions in this race overall. And what yeah, so it's I think this is wide open. The six furlongs I think it can be anyone's game. I think it sometimes can it has a chance to heat up, but I just, overall, your horse's figures are a little light, but again, it's not going to take much to upset this apple cart. Yeah, it was just another one I was just envisioning the right kind of trip for. All right, let's uh, continue on here and talk about the next race, which is stakes action in the Vice Regent, five furlongs on the inner turf and a field of nine in this one. Drew, we'll have you kick us off once again. Yeah, I'm on Rock Crest 2-1. to one. I, th- I just really like this spot can stalk any of the speeds and really has the best overall numbers. Um, last two races faced some really, really good uh, horses and the light, the trainer is lights out. So nothing t- tremendously creative, but the number five rock crest in the big stakes today. I like outlaw kid as a potential alternative, the hot, the George Weaver operation and a horse that I could see getting that right kind of trip very forward. You know, I don't think you want a deep closer uh, five furlongs on the inner but a horse that has some finish and could be in the right spot. I wonder if it's as simple as a match between those two, or do you like anything uh, to go with them at a bigger number? No, I love the case that you gave for uh, Outlaw Kids. So I think those are the two. I'm, I'm surprised Silent Reserve is going to take money. Um, I think that'll be interesting. And I think this is a good one to watch the tote board, because this is going to be one of those they knew races. Um, I think between our two top choices. So Toport should give us some clues. All right. Let's see what happens there in the stake. We move back to the synthetic surface for the starter allowance that goes as race number 10, Uh, just seven signed up 
And you've got another one that, at least according to the morning line, looks like a bit of a match between Cara Cara and Gamble's Orb. Where are you here? Yeah, um, I'm on number four, Gibby the Boots at eight to one. Uh, too fast, last out and faded. Today cuts back a little bit and could just use that speed to its advantage. Uh, the maiden optional claimer win was the foundational race that we're looking forward to take a step off of. And then I do like the number two, Kara Kara at nine to five, overall best fi- figures of the field. Uh, does need the lead, so that could be a, a bit of a problem uh, and could be this one's demise. So I'm going to use two in here, the four and the two. I was going to try Gamble's orb with the thought that would get the right kind of trip. I mean, has shown that ability to chase a fast pace and finish well enough in that maiden win. And maybe this is one for whom the penny uh, dropped last time and is just ready to take an upward uh, trajectory in the form line. We shall see. It wasn't the strongest maiden, but this isn't the strongest uh, starter 40 either. So I'll try the five. Well, between the two of us, I'm pretty sure we're going to, uh, we're going to be able to get it, uh, get it done in that spot with the four, the four and the two for you and the five for me in race number 10. We'll go to our nightcap. We've got maidens on the turf, seven furlongs, uh, three and up fillies and mares and a big full field. Uh, no firsters in here. Who do you think is going to get the money to close us out? <laughs> this is a hard, hard race. And I have it narrowed down to two, but I think you can go a lot of ways. But I like the number one war vow at 12 to one. Um, chased down a loose leader last out and just was flattened out a little bit. Today gets the Lasix in a, and with this bunch that I just don't see any standouts. So 12 to one felt like the right price and the right story to tell myself on the number one war vow. I'll also use the number three Bijan Baby at four to one. Dropped in class last out, trying uh, trying to get onto the turf and got washed out and uh, got put on the all-weather. So today gets back to the right surface and I think can turn the light bulb. Looks to be nibbling at some improvements. So maybe today is the big day for the number three Bijan Baby. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on Bijou Baby. This is a horse that I thought just made that sort of the classic uh, move a little early into that fast pace moving into the fast part of the race and just got uh, just got beat late. Couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite get the job done. I think with a more even run back on the turf, the intended uh, surface for the last run going the seven furlongs. I think there's a lot of systems going. I always in these spots when you see a horse that's beginning to get a career made and look like Bijou Baby with the over seven lifetime. But then you look and you see, wait a second, has never actually sprinted on the turf before, uh, you know, so. Just, I still feel like you can be 0 for 7 and a little unexposed, and I think that's what the case is here with Bijou Baby. So, yeah, that's how I'm going to try to close things out. Appreciate uh, all your time and efforts here, Drew. Any closing thoughts before we let you get on with your wet Saratoga Friday? No, no. I just hope uh, Toronto stays dry up there and some of these races stay on. Um, i looking forward to the sequence, and I think if you can get skinny in this last leg, there's some value to be had in singling or going two by. Uh, with a 12 to one, I wouldn't say fading that one. Uh, I think there's some good meat on this bone, this little uh, last card. So have a great weekend and we'll uh, be talking soon. Love it. I agree that your top pick in there, looking at it a little bit more would definitely be an overlay at 12 to one. That's a horse to have in the mix. If anything near that price, thank you, Drew. We'll, we'll be talking very soon. One more plug just for everything we have going on on the network. We've got this live show tonight. That's going to be a ton of fun. Also make sure to check out the 
show that just uploaded to YouTube with Stephen Christ going over this two-day pick six. Even if you missed the Friday portion, you'll still have him talking about five races as part of this two-day. Um, the Hamiltonian roundtable, got that up on YouTube to look forward to. And again, the live stream tonight with our partners at the TaylorMade Partnerships Medallion Racing. That one is going to be archived up on YouTube as well. So catch us live or check us out there. And please rate, review, and subscribe to our In The Money Media YouTube channel. Great way to help us out. It doesn't cost you a thing. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I want to thank all of today's guests. Great getting to catch up with everybody. My head is spinning from all the stuff we've been doing. We still have that live show to come. Uh, hopefully I'll make it through that okay. Uh, w- watch and tell me if you can see my fatigue. Hopefully you will not. I'll, I'll hide it brilliantly if everything goes according to plan. What else? Let's thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. Boy, it's been great uh, being here with members of the 10 Strike team uh, in the stretch, in the boxes. Just uh, such a gr- another just fantastic team. Good vibes all around from the folks at 10 Strike. And Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation finally got to see Kim Weir last night for a couple hours here at the house for our little barbecue. That was great. She does such a great job. The organization does such a great job, especially with the Second Chances program. It's been a minute since uh, we had some significant money coming from the In the Money side over to the TRF coffers. So going to have to start beating the drum loudly on that. I worry that you all out there listening are such wise guys that I've now trained you that you're going to get like a bottle of whiskey for giving a donation and everybody's waiting for the next premium. That may be on me, but let, let me see if I can drum something up in that regard. But in any case, we appreciate it if you can give generously trfinc.org slash players thanks most of all though to all of you for listening for making these shows so much fun to do for coming up and saying hi at saratoga for in the money media i'm peter thomas fornatel may you win all your photos